Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by Planscope. Planscope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using Planscope to do my estimates and manage my projects and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 95 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ash Dryden. Hi there. Reuven Lerner. Hello from Romania. Curtis McHale. Hello. Eric Davis. Hello from my office. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about, well, we're, we pulled a question off of user voice, so let me read it to you guys real quick. It's Jack of all trades. Is there such a thing as web developer anymore? And then the the commentary basically says, in this day and age, can one person do both front-end and back-end development? Or due to the complexities of modern web development, do you need to specialize in front-end or back-end to do your greatest work? And I think in general for freelancers, it's, you know, at what point do you specialize or do you try and do it all? Interesting. I think a lot of people uh, started, I mean, I certainly started doing everything. Just because it was a lot easier, I was working on a lot smaller projects. So it made more sense for me to be able to just do everything by myself. Yeah, then another angle on that is basically that when I started uh, web development, I mean, this was like seven or eight years ago, most people were doing something with backend technology. You'd slap a bunch of HTML together, and then you'd just manipulate it with jQuery as needed. And so there really wasn't this idea of, you know, major front-end and major back-end development. It was mostly back-end development with some semblance of front-end tweaking around with jQuery. And so JavaScript was just kind of a necessary evil that you used once in a while when you needed something you couldn't do on the back-end. So things have changed quite a bit. I mean, now people are specializing in JavaScript and doing things like Angular or Ember or whatever, and then they just build a an API on the back-end. So it's kind of an interesting... An interesting thing at this point. I think that when you're starting out, you're probably going to generalize because you don't even know what you're good at yet, right? You're starting out, you're figuring out what you're good at, what you like, and then as you get further into your career, you start to specialize in the things you really are good at. Mm -hmm. But can you generalize? Does it make sense to generalize your skills? It depends on the position you're going for, right? You can, but like, what are you trying to be? Trying to be like the CTO of a company eventually? So having a good general knowledge all over is a good thing. Or are you trying to be, in my case, like a go-to WordPress developer? Now that I've specialized into, say, membership and e-commerce stuff, I am able to charge way more, significantly more, and do work that I'm more interested in because I've specialized as opposed to being install plugins or doing something way more general. Well, the other thing I think about is... You don't have to specialize in a technology. You can specialize in a skill. So 
you can do everything for e-commerce sites or you can do everything for say the food industry companies you know you might do the front end the back end you know maybe you even do like email marketing templates you can do a whole bunch of stuff like that so that's the other way instead of just looking at the technology side there's like the business side or the actual value services you provide i think it really depends on what position you're in too i mean years ago i was doing everything because i had to like i didn't necessarily have the reach that people knew me for something specific. I didn't have the kind of flexibility to only do the kinds of projects that I wanted. So as my expertise grew and what people you know knew me for kind of grew, I was able to pick and choose the things that I worked on and only work on things that I enjoyed working on. I mean, I've spent enough times in the mines making, you know, HTML emails, and thankfully, I don't have to do that anymore. So it's something that I used to kind of do as, you know, generalizing, but now I don't have to do anymore. So I guess the question is, because I, I still do a lot of the, you know, front to front to back web development. So I I do a lot of the front end. I do a lot of the back end. I haven't really specialized toward a particular target market, which is something that I'm trying to figure out. So I don't know. I mean, I, I usually don't have a problem finding work. So is it really a big deal? So I've, I've actually found it useful to be something of a generalist. And actually, I just looked up online. I'll, I'll find a link for it. You guys might remember the name Phil, Phil Greenspun or Philip Greenspun. And he did some web publishing and development years ago. And so his book published in 1999 actually says web publishing is one of the few fields left where the generalist is valuable. And so back in those days, you know, in the early days of the web, it was true. Like you sort of needed to know a little about a lot of things in order to do your work. And so I've always had the attitude of it's good to know a bunch of different technologies and a bunch of different aspects of it because you never know what clients are going to want. And this way I can sort of service a bunch of clients. But I feel like increasingly, as the technologies advance, and as each of them gets deeper and more difficult to really know well, that even the current in vogue term is full-stack web developer. Even though I think I can honestly call myself a full-stack web developer, I do wonder if those days are numbered. Just because there's a, there's a limit as to how much one person can keep up with databases and server-side technology and client-side technology and, and do it all reasonably well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I... I think that it's it's very easy to have a breadth of knowledge that's an inch deep versus a mile deep. And I think that that kind of works to our detriment a lot of times. You know, we'll have a lot of people that will say things like they're a full stack developer. And like I've worked with a few where you get them on a project where you have any or any problem that's reasonably deep and they're drowning because they're absolutely stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one other thing that is kind of interesting is that uh, I've been pulled in on several projects for healthcare projects and for financial projects, one of which was kind of both, but that's beside the point. The interesting thing is is that with those projects, you have a specific uh, domain knowledge that you pick up. And so even though you may be able to do front-end and back-end and give them what they want, your most valuable asset is actually understanding what they need. So you understand the uh, restrictions or government, what do you call them? Regulations. Regulations, there you go, that that they have to uh, adhere to. And so for, for medical, it's in the U.S. anyway, there's the Health Information Protection Whatever Act. And, uh, you know, and then you also have PCI compliance and things like that. And when does it apply and when doesn't it apply and what kind of data and how do you protect it and all of that stuff. And so... In a lot of cases, you know, if, if we're talking about niching down, I mean, niching down to a domain or an arena that 
an area of business, a vertical, so to speak, is what I've heard salespeople call it, pays off. And then in the other area, yeah, I mean, being that guy that can go in there and basically make the front end do anything and, and, yeah, and that's right. what I've for done, other right. people. I've niched down into, I guess, two verticals, really, membership and e-commerce. And they often go together anyways because you're charging for membership mm-hmm. sites. But that's what I've done. And I do, like today, I wrote jQuery, a SaaS, built Grunt Tasks. I uh, built a Vagrant box for this project and PHP and Ajax. So I've done lots of different technological things, but all with the same goal of creating a good user interface. The only thing I don't do is design. Uh, I'll take an existing design and extend it to continue to fit our interface, but that's about it. So one thing I want to ask about, because it still doesn't feel like you're a generalist, Curtis, neither in the technology area nor in the business area. I mean, you're working in PHP and JavaScript, certainly, but you're basically working within the framework that WordPress gives you. And do you find that that narrows the scope of knowledge that you have to have to the point where you can kind of do everything? Oh, yes. There are certainly times when I look in the PHP docs and be like, oh, I didn't even know this whole function existed. <laughs> and that's because I started as, a, I guess, started as a WordPress developer. And that's where I learned all my PHP skills at the beginning. And since then, I've back, kind of backtracked with air quotes to build more of my PHP skills and, and kind of more of the safety stuff, like sanitizing data uh, out of what PHP provides as well. Yeah, I know, I know, Eric, you also did the same kind of thing with Redmine. Did you find that it also restricted the amount of knowledge you had to have about Ruby or Rails or front-end tech or whatever to do that job? I mean, to a point, it's whenever you're working in an existing system like WordPress or Redmine, they've made decisions for you. So like you, you used to, you couldn't go into Redmine and say, I want to use jQuery because it used prototyped and script attack of my list, whatever that's called. So if you wanted to use jQuery, you had to actually bend over backwards to do it. And so, yeah, it kind of, it reduces the scope, but at the same time, you know, you have a lot more other things. You have this existing domain, you know, that you have to know, like, how do these objects work together? How do you work with, like, the Redmine code? So it depends on what the project is. I think, like, Redmine, WordPress, and, you know, the larger stuff, I don't think it actually reduces it because it it hides 50% of the stuff of Ruby, but it adds 50% of its own stuff to it. Yeah, that's right. And that's something you see often with uh, even WordPress code and sanitizing data. It has a special function to sanitize data specifically for HTML that's allowed in post content. I've seen people write, you know, these huge crazy ones to do their own version of it because they don't know WordPress very well instead of calling the one kind of built in function. So there's lots, lots and lots to know in there. And I mean, if you, you know, in Rails, Rails does that too. Like they might re-implement parts of things like that Ruby does already. And then as people realize, oh, Ruby does this for us, it gets stripped out. And so it's kind of, I don't know if you can say like it's a smaller amount. I think it's just a different thing. And like I said, if you're working on a technology side, like that's something you can specialize in. The big thing is there's almost guaranteed less people that know WordPress than there are people that know PHP because WordPress is like a subset. Mm-hmm. And same can be said of Redmine and all that stuff. It's it's a smaller market that you're in of the providers. That's interesting. Do you guys feel like you can kind of be the full stack developer or whatever you want to call it in the sense that you maybe have go-to tools that you use and so you don't worry about learning all of the stuff? You just worry about learning the handful of tools that you typically go to well and then push your clients toward those? Um, I do. Like, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I would, I would always approach a new project where I do 
everything the same based on the tools that I've used and known to work, but I'll change one, maybe two things as like an experiment. So, you know, maybe like one time I take, okay, instead of using prototype, I'm going to bring in jQuery, see if that works. And it worked on that project. So I would actually swap in jQuery on the next project and then maybe bring in another new thing. And it kind of gives me controlled experimentation. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. So the original question was, is there such a thing as a full stack developer or like, is that something that people do? Do you actually want to be one though? Oh, that's a really good question. I was going to say that's something right. I haven't really right. and thought deeply about before now. So <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you broke I mean, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it used to be right, and, and maybe this is true for for you guys as well. But like, it used to be, people would come to me and say, "I need a web application. I need you know website increasingly application." And they would sort of assume that I would do anything technical having to do with it. And so, fine, I would outsource the design to someone else. But if it was code, then it was almost certainly my responsibility. And I find that yeah, as it gets more more complex, I, I sort of wonder what are the limits of what I'm what I'm interested in doing, right? Like, I, I'm interested increasingly in, in learning Angular and Ember, but can I really specialize in both? Do I want to do that? I know my design abilities, and I think that bleeds a little into the front end, and I think at the end of the day, I'm probably going to better serve my clients and myself by being, even if I'm sort of doing full stack, I'm probably doing, say, 60% or 70% back end and a smaller percentage of front end stuff. And say so I've always tried to do the more generalist. Like I get started and I'll go deep in an area. Like for a while, I was very deep in like desktop, uh, you know, thick client stuff. And then I was deep on backend web server stuff like that. And now even deep in IT. And I, whenever I do that, I kind of look at the boundaries and there's no matter what it is, there's a boundary I hit where there's still a ton in the body of knowledge, but I don't get interested in it. I get bored with it. And at that point, I typically switch, go to something different. Like recently, I've been looking a lot into client-side JavaScript. And that kind of, I I would call myself a full-stack full developer, but it's more of, I have a baseline of I'm mediocre at all these things, but I'm really good at this thing and this thing, and I'm improving at this thing. And so it's a full-stack, but it's not a balanced full-stack. Well, and the other thing to remember, like when I said all the things that I do, right? Say even three months ago, I could install a Vagrant box because I'd follow directions. It's only recently that I've been able to learn more about it and actually be able to build the Vagrant box custom for the client for something that we specifically need. When you're starting out, there's so many balls to juggle. You can only, like, you can only juggle one or two. And as you learn more and more, you can add another one to it and continue to add more to your knowledge. I think the other part of this thing is for me, that the things that I'm not particularly good at or don't like doing, that's always like the last 3% of the project that takes me the longest because I end up procrastinating. Like I'll find some yak to shave that will keep me from having to work on that one little thing, (laughs) even though it might only take me a couple hours, but just because I just don't want to do it. I know it's going to be a lot of frustration for me because I don't necessarily have the full knowledge that that means that I can do it right away versus, you know, sitting and Googling or, you know, asking a friend, like, I'm not entirely sure how to do this. Um, you know, do you have some pointer? So it's just, it's just easier for me to be able to complete projects on schedule and with the least amount of frustration to only work on the things that I enjoy and am good at or are things that I want to learn versus am stuck doing. So it almost seems like, I don't know if it's personality, but it's like a personality style of, I know I've taken many different tests to figure out, you know, who I am and all that. And they all say that I am 
I jump from idea to idea. I want to know a little bit about everything, but I know some people that are, they, if they can learn every single thing in the world about, we're in the chat talking about mice now. If they knew everything about mice, like say they're a scientist, they would be happy and content and they could care less about learning about a rat. So maybe that's actually like a personal <laughs> thing. Like what, what you kind of lean towards what you want to do and that could influence how you actually do you know, your skills and the different services you have. Right. I used to have the attitude of so many freelancers as in one technology, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell people what technology to use. They can come to me, and we'll evaluate it, and I'll have a whole set of things that we can use. And I've gotten away from that because that was just impossible for me to keep track of. But on the other hand, I do enjoy, like Eric said, I, I do enjoy having a variety of technologies and skills and things to work on. I just sort of find it interesting and I find that they each one that I learn reinforces another one. And so and I've also found it to be a business advantage. If I were only doing Rails development, then I think I would have fewer clients and fewer opportunities because I do, you know, Rails development and a I also do training, and I also do Postgres stuff with optimization. And you know, it, it's not a huge list of different technologies, but it's more than one or more than two. And, and so I, I like that, and I think it's good for my clients as well. Yeah, I'm kind of personally happy. You know, like, uh, I'm, I'm good at, you know, these specific things. If you want something else, that's, that's reasonable, and I would be happy to recommend you to someone else. <laughs> yeah, my thing is, is that if I have training, and I have contracting, and I have all these other things... I'm not very good at focusing on more than one at a time anyway. And so I really tend to uh, prefer to just go with one or the other. Now, I do do multiple things, but at the same time, I really only focus on one at a time. Otherwise, I'm all over the place. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I sometimes think that I would be better off just focusing on one area. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to turn away people who come in for other things. So, for example... Let's say that I focus on Redmine just because, you know, Eric's on the call and that's that's what he did for a long time. So let's say I decide I just want to focus on Redmine. So I'm going to write a bunch of blog posts. I'm going to go contribute to the uh, the project. I'm going to do whatever else I decide to do to get people's attention regarding Redmine. But if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I need Rails work, I'm not going to turn them away either. Right, although probably over time, I'm guessing that as you brand yourself more and more in that specific niche, you'll get fewer and fewer requests. I mean, maybe you, Chuck, because you do all these podcasts, and so you're sort of well-known on a variety of things. But my guess is that, in general, if you brand yourself in a niche, you'll get fewer and fewer general requests, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing, because being seen as an expert, so the big fish in the small pond is probably a good thing. Yeah, the thing is, is as you focus on one of those verticals, that's just the term I've heard for them. I don't know if that's the correct usage or anything. But as you focus on those verticals, the nice thing is is that you tend to get the SEO, you get brand recognition for it, uh, you start getting referrals for it, you get people who know that you do that stuff, and I can I can see the the benefits there. So yeah, well, yeah, that's what I have. Is I've focused on this right. I'm the go to guy for a number of even Vancouver agencies for e-commerce stuff. So they do all the theming, but any of the hard stuff comes to me and I've had that, you know, they asked around to three or four of their guys and they all said, go talk to Curtis, go talk to Curtis. And so it's good to get known for that. And it eases my marketing as well. Yeah. And it's actually kind of surprising. Like I uh, predominantly, most of my projects were Redmine, kind of that area for a while there, but I was still picking up kind of non-Redmine projects. And a lot of the times that came from clients I did Redmine work with or a referral from one of those clients. And I, that goes back to our, our episode when we're talking about trust, like the client trusted me to do their Redmine project 
And so they're like, well, that we trust Eric to do this other Rails project or in a couple of cases, this PHP project. And so I've, I don't know, like it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, you think you're just going to only do that project, like that type or that niche or vertical or horizontal. And you could still be end up, end up being all over the place, depending on, you know, like how the, what the client needs and, you know, how your marketing and referral system works. So I'm, I'm a little curious. How do you go from generalist to specialist? Like, how, how did you make that transition, Curtis and Eric in particular? I mean, you, you started out doing WordPress or started out doing web or Rails or whatever. How do you get from there to being the go-to guy for whatever it is that you do? Pixie dust and red ruby slippers. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, it was just I did a couple e-commerce projects, and then I, uh, I don't know, I started liking it and wrote a couple blog posts about it. Uh, you know, and one that was writing a blog post about a fix for duplicate permalinks before they had, uh, before the e-commerce platform had a fix of its own. And people started asking me about it because I solved one problem. Obviously, I could solve another problem for them. And that's just kind of kept snowballing from there. And they did a couple membership sites as well and blogged about those a little bit. And people kept coming back to me for that. So. And that's kind of the same thing with me. Like I started doing, you know, stuff in Redmine, started writing about it, you know, sharing about it. And people, you know, I was referring to this, you know, I worked on this project and people kind of saw that, hey, this guy knows what he's doing, gave me more stuff. And it's, um, what's that called? A positively reinforcing feedback loop. It just builds on itself. There's no, nothing really fancy about it. There's probably an aspect of luck in there too, right? Solve a problem at the right time. Like with my S, with my duplicate product links issue put up the question at the right time and you know a couple people say hey this is this is a great solution you should look at it and then you know kind of again become self-reinforcing as it continues to go so yeah and i mean with redmine i i was following the project like i used it but i was following it the like the plugin api was added to the latest development version of the code and i think not even a month later i had a plugin for it and so my plugin was the first non written by the core contributor plugin and, you know, it, I lucked out that Redmine grew and I was available for, you know, doing work for clients and all that. But at the same time, you know, I, that luck, you know, that can happen to anyone, but I was ready for it. I had the skills behind it. I had the business savvy behind it to, to back it up. So, I mean, don't feel like you have to be picked or blessed by someone. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the thing I do now when people ask me what I do is I say I do e-commerce and membership sites, typically hard stuff. And we'll talk for a bit and then I often come back to now that means I can also build you a WordPress name if that's what you need, right? Something that's that's just considered on the easier end of what I do. So every time anyone asks me, what do you do? You know, what what's in your bio? What's this? I always say I do e-commerce and membership sites. So going back to the discussion over technologies, and Reuven, you've you've talked a little bit about people hire you for a number of different technologies. Do you find that you can charge more because you're a specialist or what have you in, in one area or another? For example, PostgreSQL or something else? No. <laughs> I, and, and that, but I think that's more of a marketing thing. Like my failure to capitalize on that. I think there's some areas that are easier to charge more in than others. And so I guess I've tried to gravitate not quite as explicitly as Curtis had to doing the harder things, but I'll tell people, I'll say to people, look, I could do, you know, the basic development, but that might not be worth it for you. It's probably easier for you or better for you to have me work on the harder stuff and then even have one of your in-house people do the easier stuff and I can coach them or train them or help them 
of serious thought process on my part of, gee, I should really aim in directions that are more, you know, sort of that I can charge more for. Well, and when I say harder, I mean, it's harder for most people. Now that I've done a couple of these quote unquote harder things, they're really pretty basic on my end, right? Someone comes up to me with a, say this hard solution for some problem, like they want back-end payment for credit cards, and that's not a normal feature. And I look at it and go, oh, I can probably do that. And I put skeleton code together in 10 minutes and say, yeah, you know, I got it showing up. There's a few little things to work out, but I can do that. I mean, I, I do think, I mean, I don't know if I can say that I can charge my clients more because in, in certain things, but being able to be not necessarily a one-stop shop, but having familiarity with a lot of different technologies does, I think, make it easier for some clients, not all of them, but some of them, to, to work with me. Because then we can evaluate a bunch of different options. And this, but this is that trade-off between sort of being open to everything and being restricted to one domain. So I'm trying to sort of find a middle ground there. So, for instance, here, here's, here's an example. You know, lately, a lot of people have come to me and said, well, we're thinking of a NoSQL solution. What do you think? And I say, well, what do you want to use it for? And I can speak with some authority, having used some of them, and evaluate them, and then tell them no. Right. And that doesn't, you don't even have to be an expert. If you just know the stuff, I had a client came to me and he knew I was a Ruby guy. He had some existing PHP code and I did a code review on it. And, you know, him knowing I'm not an expert on PHP. And I told him, like, even my level of expertise, I could see there's problems here. And he's like, well, should we rewrite it in Ruby? And I'm like, honestly, with the amount you have here, it would probably be better just to keep it in PHP. And I can't help you with that because I'm not, I'm not doing, you know, this kind of PHP work. But just knowing, you know, the benefits of PHP versus Ruby versus doing a full on front end JavaScript thing, I was able to give him an honest answer of, I'm the best person for this job to do it in X. But if you don't want to do it in X, then you can find someone else. I know a guy who can do it in Y. Yeah, I've done the same thing. I specialize with Woo, with WooCommerce mostly right now. And I've had clients come to me wanting to switch away from uh, one of the other WordPress options. And I haven't ever been able to make a business case that actually makes it sound sane. Because, you know, the problem they want to solve is, say, an hour problem. And the conversion is, you know, multiple hours to convert it and to change the themes and to give them all the same type of features and to build maybe a custom plugin that doesn't exist in the other option. So one thing I want to say is I've seen some people where they they get really deep into one area. And it's that kind of saying, of, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I've seen people force technology in where it shouldn't be. And that if you speak to a lot of freelancers like that's that's one of the biggest things of problem projects that happens, at least on the technology side, is just people trying to make like Rails run on the client side as JavaScript or something really screwy like that. And if you are going to be like, you know, you focus on one area, you're not going to be jack of all trades. Uh, you need to be aware of when you're trying to force feed the, the one thing you know very good into where it's not good at. Right. I've, I've actually started to incorporate that into my sort of pitch or discussion when I speak to clients. Because obviously there's always going to be a discussion. Are you the right person? And, and so with potential clients, I explicitly say, listen, um, my interest is not in finding the latest technical doodads. My interest is in making your business run. And so if that means using all sorts of conservative technologies and boring technologies, that's okay because the important thing is your business, not my, you know, technical joyride. And people seem, surprised and happy to hear this. It builds trust that way. I mean, there are a lot of people don't have enough of a context to necessarily make that decision by themselves. And knowing that you are not taking advantage of them goes a long way. 
Yeah. And I think, like I said, like that client who came to me with the PHP project that was looking for like a code review, I think he was looking for that. Like I didn't talk to him after that project because we weren't a good fit, but I, I'm pretty sure he left with a feeling like, okay, yeah, this was my gut feel. And this is actually, you know, this developer kind of agreed with me and I'm going to move on and do it in PHP, which is probably the best thing for what he was wanting to do. PHP is always the best thing, Eric. Oh man! As, so, as somebody who welcome came, to the Flame War show, yeah, as somebody ne- came, next Bimini Max, yeah, as somebody is somebody who came from PHP and now sits mostly in Ruby and Rails. It's kind of hilarious, like being in either community and being made fun of for being in the other community. Just like right. you have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else that we want to? Uh go into on this i i know it's a little bit shorter of an episode than we usually do but if we're out of things to talk about then uh maybe we should just go to the picks sounds good sure all right reuven why don't you start us with the picks then all right i just got one pick for this week i don't think we've mentioned in the past it's this uh alternative to ssh called mosh the mobile shell and it came out i guess about a year maybe two years ago and I've been using it pretty much. <laughs> I've been doing it pretty much, using it pretty much consistently for the last year or two, and it's just amazing because it allows me to sort of disconnect and reconnect. And so when I'm away from from my servers and when I follow my computer and then I reconnect to the internet, I'm just automatically connected to all the servers I was on. I found it to be super, super useful, and I highly recommend it. All right, Eric, what are your picks? All right, I got one today. It's a short blog post by Seth Godin. It's called "Winner Take All Versus Local." It's probably like a one minute read. It's a pretty good one though to think about. Um, especially if you're getting started freelancing or you're trying to refine your services and figure out where you're going. All right. Curtis, what are your picks? I'm going to pick Ash, uh, Ash's post oh. recently called 101 level reader. Tons of great reading to talk about equality and everything else. I had that. Yeah. I had that in my list last night. I need to dig through it and find the books I want to read, but I saw that come through and put it right in my to do list to get some books out of to read so that I can at least recognize my biases. All right, Ash, what are your picks? Sure, I just have one. Uh, I started another book club this past month, um, which is a a book club mainly, a lot of people that I know happen to be programmers, and a lot of the stuff that I talk about in tech communities are things like diversity and, and kind of understanding the life circumstances and experiences of other people, which kind of led me to writing that blog post. Um, but I started a book club specifically so we can read uh, these kinds of books together and talk about them and discuss what we learned and uh, what we didn't realize was necessarily the case and and kind of helping evolve the conversations that we're having in public. So it's just a, a book club that's through um, Google Groups that you can join and I'll, I'll, I'll drop the link in. Awesome. All right, I'm going to go next. So I've been uh, working on a couple of things that I want to share with our listeners. And one of the things that I've decided to do is a Q&A session about freelancing. So if you have questions about freelancing, something you want answered, you can always put it into the user voice forum on the podcast. But I'm, I'm going to do a call and you can actually just call in and ask your question. So if you go to freelanceqa.eventbrite.com, uh, you can sign up for it. It'll be Wednesday, January 15th. 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and if you have any questions, you know, feel free to email them in. I'm going to be answering the email, the questions I get emailed first, and then I'll be answering any live questions if we have time. So anyway, and that's my only pick. I'm not very prepared today, but thanks for listening, and we'll catch y'all next week.